0: When were the... What school's... (laughs) Who decides what the next... Where's that story? Why they keep the loop... What is this? It's Curious City. Where
1: WBEZ answers your questions... About Chicago, the region, and its people.
0: This is reporter Monica Eng. I've covered meat and slaughter in Chicago for a long time, so I was super intrigued by this question from Pamela Monaco of Naperville. She wants to know about the current situation in terms of slaughtering facilities here in Chicago and whether there are still such facilities in existence. Basically, my assignment's to find remnants of slaughtering and meat packing in Chicago. It's a good question, but Pam's turned it into a great question, because she knows Chicago's fallen from its status as the hog butcher to the world. For an answer, we'll start with that reputation and how the city earned it. It turns out, one of Curious City's favorite historians, Dominic Pesiga, just wrote a book about 100 years of animal selling, slaughtering, and rendering in Chicago. Pesiga says we were number one in meatpacking for decades, for a simple reason. Our nexus of railroads made Chicago a perfect place to take in trainloads of animals, sell them, and then ship them back out as meat. In
1: 1865, nine of those railroads came together to build a union stockyard. And later on, when you had refrigerated railroad cars that could take chilled beef east, Chicago really dominated even the eastern and eventually even the California meat markets.
0: The city's meat industry grew, peaking in 1924. In that year alone, just one square mile of stockyards on the southwest side processed 18.6 million animals. To handle them, the stockyards made jobs for an estimated 40,000 workers. But that's not all they made.
1: I guess the downside was there's a lot of pollution and a lot of stench.
0: So like a lot of kids who grew up around the yards, Pesiga taunted his pals with this burn.
1: Roses are red, violets are blue, the stockyards stink, and so do you.
0: The stench didn't stop the tourists, though. As many as a half a million a year flocked to the yard. Siga said it was kind of like the Museum of Science and Industry, showing off the miracles of modern processors like Armour Company.
1: You know, it took a skilled butcher and his apprentice about 8 to 10 hours to dress a steer in 1890. It took 35 minutes at Armour Company.
0: This modern meat show even became a popular Chicago public school field trip. Back in 1941, WBEZ volunteer Ed Kramer went with his 8th grade class. They took the L to the yards and then stood over the pens on a catwalk.
1: And down below us, the cows were being let in through a chute. A chain was whipped around the back legs of the cows. They were hoisted up into the air. Someone came along with a huge wooden sledge, hit them on the head, it stunned them, and then their throats were cut.
0: Can you imagine what that permission slip must have said?
1: At that point, at least a half a dozen people in the group started to erp.
0: Not long before Ed Kramer took that school tour, Chicago's stockyards had already begun to lose their competitive edge. By the 1930s, modern highways were making it easier to transport animals by truck instead of rail.
1: So let's say you were meatpacker XYZ, you could send your buyer to a farm offer to send a truck to pick up the cattle, pay the farmer, bring it to your packing house out in the countryside someplace, and then it could be shipped out in a, in a refrigerated truck uh, as meat to Chicago.
0: Today, the industrial sized slaughtering that Chicago was known for, it's mostly done in rural Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota. But that's not to say that all of Chicago's slaughtering facilities are gone. Remember, Pamela Monaco asked if there are some left, and the answer is yes. The city still hosts a small meatpacking district where carcasses are butchered and sold, plus 11 slaughterhouses, mostly little neighborhood joints that focus on poultry. But three are all about mammals, like sheep, goats, and pigs. All of these places are way smaller than the industrial scale union stockyards. I'm going to profile one of the slaughterhouses and one meatpacker to give you a sense of how they survived. All awesome. First up is the Little Halstead Packing House at 400 North Halstead. Cookie and Callie Davos run the place. They're sisters, who never meant to go into slaughter. But then their dad died of a sudden heart attack. We just came down here to reassure everyone that they still had jobs. And we've been here ever since. That was in 1994 when... It was completely male-dominated. And it's a little rough, to say the least. We came in all polite, and we
1: got a little rough, too.
0: (laughs) And I think all the men were taking bets how long those two girls are going to last. 21 years later, they still oversee a staff of mostly men, between taking orders, balancing the books, and greeting customers. Davos says most of those customers are immigrants, folks who want the kind of fresh meat you can't get at the supermarket. Like Joe from West Africa.
1: Every week I come here.
0: What do you get and what do you cook with it?
1: I eat goat meat
0: and, you know, the cow tails and, you know, I cook uh, stew, some African stuff, you know, spicy and delicious. But you don't get delicious meat without a kill floor. Today, young pigs are bleeding out, tumbling in the de-herring machine, then getting disemboweled before heading to a large cooler. There, they join lambs and goats of various sizes. And all this startles some people. They expect everything to be in a beautiful little plastic package and uh, freshly scented. We actually slaughter here. We have live animals come in. We're going to have all sorts of different smells. But some people are actually attracted to Halsted packing because they slaughter on site. In fact, some customers arrange to kill their own animals here as part of religious traditions. Grant Park Packing is a mile away under the Lake Street L. It's different. They don't slaughter, just pack. But owner Joe Maffei gets by by offering cuts like guanciale and pancetta, special stuff you can't get from a big meat packer.
1: Anything a customer asks for, we could almost provide him with. A Different cut, different because we're on a small scale.
0: And and this this meat is going to whom?
1: It goes to stores, delis, restaurants, homes, anybody that could pay me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maffei only processes a few hundred pigs a day. He's been operating in the district for almost half a century. But see?
1: It's almost all gone, including us pretty soon.
0: Really? How many more years do you think he'll be here?
1: Months, you mean?
0: He says between the rising rents and local and state rules, it's just getting harder to continue. Callie Davos sees a similar end to her family business. She says there's just less demand. But historian Dominic Pesiga sees room for a mini stockyard renaissance, spurred not so much from immigrants as the burgeoning local artisanal meat movement.
1: At the end of the book, I make a plea for the locavore movement that we could still have a livestock market in Chicago and we could still kill locally because it makes you think, what am I eating, you know, and where did it come from? And what am I putting in my body? (laughs) Uh, and, And I think that that's an important part of life.
0: Reporting for the story came from me, Monica Eng. Support for Curious City comes from the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism.
1: I'm going away, baby, and I'm going to stay. Baby, you're going to miss me. That's when I go away.
0: And Happy New Year. Enjoy your black-eyed peas and greens. Maybe with a little bit of bacon from Joe Muffet. I'm sure he'd be happy to hook you up. We've got more Curious Cities coming up next year. Send us your questions at wbez.org slash Curious City. Curious City is supported by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island has been following their curiosity and have been committed to brewing beers for Chicago that are celebrated worldwide by beer critics and beer lovers alike. More at gooseisland.com. We don't need to be the only beer you drink. We just want to be the best you drink.
1: You know you won't true, baby. I believe in you. I am brokenhearted, just all the way you do. You said you love me, honey, no other more. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.